Descent Space. I'm here with Jordan Bates, someone I've wanted to have on for a long time. Jordan is a conscious rapper, oh, musician, men's leadership coach, creativity guru, um, Substack writer, and yeah, somebody who I've been engaging with over the last few years, who was very uh, vocal during the COVID years. Um, so really interested to have this conversation and see where we go with it. Mm, me too, bro. And a couple of quick corrections. I probably wouldn't call myself a guru of any kind, although sometimes my ego likes to pretend to be one. And I'm also more of an unconscious rapper than a conscious rapper, I'd say. <laughs> right on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so I guess I want to begin with medicine. Um your medicine journey, obviously plant medicine being associated with that, but um, you know the, the medicine extends beyond that. And you've talked about rap as being a kind of medicine for you as well. Um, recently, you've been delving, you know, into Christianity. I know you've delved into quite a few different um, spiritual lineages over the years. So. Mm. Yeah, maybe just take a moment to, to whether you want to start in the present or look back to, to how you got to got onto this this path that you're on. Hmm. How did I get on the path that I'm on? It's the question. Um yeah, good question. So it all started, I would say. Well, in a sense. I'd say like all of life is the path and we're never not on the path. But in the history of my life, there was a very clear shift around the age of 19. Because I grew up in a small town in Iowa. Um, I sometimes joke that I'm from the capital of Iowa, Ayahuasca. <laughs> but no, I'm from a small town in Northwest Iowa. Um, and... I grew up pretty much in like a vacuum of conservatism and Christianity, you know, typical small town USA, kind of like if the 1950s was frozen in time, but also got the internet or something like that is, is kind of how it was. Really good place to grow up in many respects, but definitely I was really in a bubble and yeah, Magic Mushrooms found me at age 19, long story short, in my university years and just like popped my bubble in a big way, I would say, and revealed to me that I had been acculturated down a very narrow reality tunnel, a very narrow life script, you could say, of what I thought life was and what I thought was possible in life. And it just kind of, at least it just ripped a giant hole in that kind of revealing the great mystery of infinite possibilities. And it was just like revealed to me that I had been raised to believe that the answers to everything had already been discovered and they were in the back of the textbook and the experts already had them and we just needed to memorize them and spit them out at the proper time and jump through these hoops to gradually achieve success in life. And it was just revealed to me that the great mystery was alive and well and I felt this deep, deep, like essential need to become a curious student of life and find my own answers. And not long after that, 
the need to like not only absorb curiously life but also to give it back in the form of creativity became additionally like a burning desire which I had been creative in my younger years in different ways but then like kind of a next level of true of like prolific creativity switched on around 2012 or so and yeah I've just been creating super prolifically since then and and I then yeah I moved to Asia for 16 months right after university just got the heck away from everything and yeah it's just been pretty much a wild ride since then you know that led me through entheogenic pathways shamanic pathways I was found my way to ayahuasca in 2018 and then to 5-MeO DMT in 2020 and those two teachers made a really profound impact on me. And yeah, it's interesting. At one point uh, earlier, we were speaking, you mentioned that some people have referred to me as a wizard. Um, I still like the term, the term wizard. Although an interesting shift I've gone through in recent years has been kind of away from a more like magic or manifestation based paradigm based on how some people would define that term and toward a more like prayer-based paradigm, like a more prayerful paradigm uh, that's more rooted in just like gratitude and humility and and really just like asking to be utilized by the divine for the upliftment of the whole rather than like kind of being like, I have the vision and like, boom, we're going to like make this happen and kind of more like forcing the vision onto the universe, which I feel I was doing a little bit more of previously when I was kind of in more of like a manifestation based paradigm. So that's been a shift that I've gone through. But yeah, those are those are a few highlights. Um, and yeah, it's all it's all been a very winding, wild and strange journey. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So a couple of questions coming up for me in that. Um, I guess, first and foremost, like from the perspective of somebody who hasn't engaged with any plant medicine at all, maybe you could just speak a little bit to what it means for a plant to be a teacher. Hmm. Um, and then I'm also very interested to to hear a little bit more about this this shift from the manifestation um, paradigm because it is very popular. It's quite widespread in like this spiritual mm-hmm. social field, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And you've been swimming in it longer than I have. So you've probably seen more of it. Um, and like, I'm, I'm almost wondering if that was a sh- like a, a shift in your body or like, where is there a shift from, the seat of your selfhood or something like that when you're shifting from the manifestation to the kind of I'm just gonna gonna listen for what Mm. God wants me to do Mm. yeah yeah so what was the first question I feel could start with the first one laying them on that's okay (laughs) um yeah so what what does it mean for a plant to be a teacher Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, so this might sound strange, I guess, if 
people don't have much familiarity with plant medicine or psychedelics, but in my view, the plant kingdom is profoundly conscious, profoundly alive, profoundly intelligent, and is connected to multidimensional, interdimensional intelligences, ancient intelligences, both earthly and otherwise, seemingly. Um, and yeah, our ancestors have been communing with these plant, these ancient intelligences through the portals of medicinal plants for thousands of years. This was like an essential aspect of human cultures. Like, I think Terrence McKenna has a great quote where he's like, um, uh, what does he say? Something like, uh, when you take into your life the gnosis of the light-filled vegetables that have stabilized the sane societies of our planet for thousands of years, the first message that comes to you is, you are a divine being. You matter. You count. You come from realms of unimaginable power and light, and you will return to those realms. So I like the way that he says, like, uh, the light-filled vegetables that have stabilized the sane societies on this planet since for millennia. So these, these were like essential wisdom bestowing teacher plants that kept us connected to the deeper wisdom of Mother Earth and of the cosmos when humanity has actually lived in a, in a wiser fashion amongst itself. And we've largely become disconnected from those plants in the kind of dominator culture that began to rise to prominence um, anywhere between like mm, five, 10,000 years ago. I don't know specific specifics on that. There's a really good book called The Chalice and the Blade by Ryan Eisler, where she really charts that, like the kind of partnership cultures that that were more prevalent on planet Earth for tens of thousands of years at least in one earthly timeline. I mean, at this point, I'm like, there's probably just many earthly timelines. I don't, I don't really believe in one objective history of earth. But anyway, her story is very interesting, even if it even if you just see it as like a mythological story about kind of the loss of a almost like Edenic paradise where we lived according to more like partnership values. And then around the time of the rise of agriculture and like the formation of cities and civilizations, there was a shift from worshiping the goddess to the rise of these more uh, paternalistic religions that started worshiping like kind of angry, angry male deities. And then, and then there was more of an imposition of a, a domination based paradigm that has largely been the dominant cultural paradigm for thousands of years now on this planet. Tao Lin is another author who writes amazingly lucidly about these things. His book, Leave Society, is incredible. I love Tao Lin. Um, anywho, yeah, psychedelic plants were a huge part of what stabilized the partnership cultures that used to be more prevalent on this planet. Dominator paradigm has largely forgotten that the plant kingdom contains this tremendous wisdom it's still available though, and there's currently a resurgence happening, a kind of renaissance where many people are utilizing psychedelic plants to tap into ancient intelligences of gargantuan proportions that reveal dimensions of human life that have largely been forgotten by most modern humans. So, yeah.
And to your second question um, about the, if you want me uh, if you want me to dive into that and answer that now. Um, yeah, please. I'll, I'm going to sit with what you've said because there will be more things coming. But okay, continue. Yeah. So as far as the shift from the shift from manifestation to a more prayer based paradigm. It's a good question of like where that shift took place in the body. I feel like it it's it's been a shift toward coming more into the heart space and really feeling the heart open and come online more and more viscerally, especially over the last like year or so. But yeah, the, it's interesting that manifestation is becoming such a hot viral topic now, like on TikTok. I mean, you find the hashtag like manifestation has like millions, tens of millions, if not, <clears throat> I don't even know, if not hundreds of millions of um, uh, yeah, views. And yeah, I guess, <clears throat> I guess per se, there's nothing wrong with manifestation like my view is that in the, in an ultimate sense there's nothing fundamentally wrong with anything everything is intrinsically the unfoldment of the one divine tapestry of existence that is basically executing itself in perfect harmony with itself and if you zoom out and kind of see the total system as a total system and realize nothing can be like separated or extricated from anything else then you can really start to see this incredible harmony to the whole thing and realize that all the dynamism, all the tragic comic peaks and valleys, all the forgetfulness and remembrance, all the separation and reunion, it all forms this like incredibly incredible mosaic, this like divine poem that is totally whole and complete and beautiful just as it is. So I want to mention that as just kind of a foundational piece that underlies pretty much the rest of my worldview. On top of that, though, to me, I see like levels, like it's like there's levels to this shit. And it's, it's very important. My, the last few years of my journey have shown me that it's very important to not just hide out only in that kind of ultimate view of like everything is perfect, but also to really connect to the wisdom of the human heart, um, for one, which does contain a lot of distinctions and like, and like knows that there's a difference between walking a path of honor and a path of personal integrity and a path of love versus like a path of destruction and, and dishonor and that those lead to very different places. And even though in the grand scheme of things, all rivers lead to the ocean and all paths are like poetically perfect at the end of the day, there's still great value in like realizing that you can walk the path of the heart in this lifetime for the upliftment of, of the whole, which includes you and includes everyone. And just generally is more auspicious, more skillful, creates less unnecessary and really like tragic, afflictive suffering, which some people consider, you know, a good thing or a good outcome um so anywho with that kind of groundwork laid i can just say that um the paradigm of manifestation tends to really fuel the ego i feel it it basically says like 
you can have anything you want. You can manifest anything you want. All you need to do is just visualize it, start to feel it in your body, feel it as if it's already happened and just focus on that. Just literally spend as much time as possible feeling like your greatest dreams have already come true and you've already gotten the Ferrari and gotten the blowjob from Marilyn Monroe or whatever it is. Like, just feel like that's already true. And then it's going to rapidly accelerate those things just showing up in your reality. And the tricky thing is that that's, that's true to an extent, like, like goes to like, in my experience, birds of a feather flock together. And essentially like the energy you are resonating with, like what you are vibrating through your body, the state, the identity you're running through your body is like magnetizing things to you, you're going to tend to gravitate toward people and environments that resonate on a similar frequency. And those people and environments are going to tend to gravitate to you. And so there's, there's truth in the law of attraction. It's just that what they don't tell you is that if you're trying to use this law of attraction and manifest stuff from your ego, and you're like, having these fantasies of kind of infinite power and luxury and wealth, and you're trying to manifest that stuff from the ego, there's going to be like inauspicious karmic consequences that occur when you do that, because you're, you're ultimately like not aligned with truth and where you're coming from. You're coming from kind of an arrogant place of like, I know the answers and I want this for me, 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 me. And it's not balanced. It's not like, it's not factoring the whole. And it's not, it's not like, um, it's not honoring divinity as like an infinite intelligence that knows vastly more than your little monkey mind. And so, yeah, you know, this is kind of complex to unpack, but in short, there will very likely be inauspicious karmic consequences that come from working with that form of manifestation. Pride cometh before a fall, as it says in the Bible. And I've experienced that very like directly and profoundly on a number of occasions. And this is what helped me kind of snap out of the paradigm of like, I am God, I am God and I can just do and create whatever I want. Um, which in a sense is true to me that everything is God, everything is divinity, everything is the one life that moves through everything. But also at the same time, no, I'm not God and you're not God and we're not the realized totality of divinity in this current form. And an appropriate relationship to the divine as a human being to me now really involves a deep, deep measure of humility, a deep, deep measure of like, you know, deep listening and asking God, like, what, what do you want me to do? Put me to good use. Like, how can I serve? And also tuning in with your heart and asking like, what really feels alive and exciting in my heart. But then like, not just kind of insisting on that, but more so like, asking God asking the divine, like, okay, God, like, if, if it aligns with your will, if it aligns with the highest divine love, the highest upliftment at all of all, like, please allow me to release these blocks that are blocking me from like, creating, creating 
this next thing that feels really exciting for me or like creating a solid financial foundation for my family so that we can not have to like be fixated on those more survival level needs and we can move on to just like joyfully creating gifts for the world and and gifts for for the whole um so yeah it's kind of a it, it's kind of a subtle distinction but it's really like it really to me feels like it makes a world of difference whether you're coming more from the ego or coming more from the heart and whether you're coming more from arrogance or coming from humility and also whether you're coming from like i want something i don't have right now versus coming from gratitude for what you already have and coming from insistence on the vision versus coming from prayerful humble request of like if this is aligned with divine love if this is your will god like may may you help me with this may this come to pass um so yeah that's a way that i can elucidate the difference there yeah thank you that was excellent by the way <laughs> um yeah i deep, i deeply resonate with the uh the recognition of those instances where life just kind of like you know hits you or like wipes what you your plans whatever your plans were those experiences have consistently brought about the biggest um spiritual growth i would say um mm -hmm. and the movement into ultimately uh more surrender and that is the that's the word that i was kind of hearing under a lot of what you were saying it's like a surrendered orientation and insofar mm -hmm. as you know like like for me for a long time in my life i always knew that america was where i was supposed to be from like mm -hmm. 15 or 16 years of my life there were all these winding turns but i always had it in my head that this was like the end destination and then I realized at a certain point, I was holding on to surety about that. And I couldn't ultimately, ultimately, ultimately know hmm. that that's where I'm most deeply supposed to be. So that was like, a, that was like an instance for me of like surrendering something I was very identified with. Um, and the consequence of doing that is coming more and more and more and more into this like radical um uncertainty mm -hmm. and that is something you can only hold i think from the heart like if you try and hold it in your mind it's going to be pretty fucking tough um mm. <laughs> and and so perhaps this is somewhere that kind of connects a little bit um with more of the christian lineage because in terms of the path the winding path and listening to a few christian thinkers lately like richard raw there's a sense i get that um there's an expectation in that tradition that following god is always a kind of unclear somewhat wandering in the dark mm. somewhat like it's it, there's never a realization within this earthly realm of like mm. the whole thing the whole thing's unfoldment it's mm. always a kind of like heart-led intuitive walk through a sort of unclear terrain and then things 
things kind of come together and trust, I suppose. And I'm, I'm really interested in, like, I guess there's a way we can listen to that more and more and as we do that then like we we somehow can become more perceptive of those pieces moving like pieces mm. in the in the family structure <laughs> pieces in relationships things that look from a mind level like this doesn't make any sense or this is clearly going you know in a bad direction mm. from that from that heart trust level um the eye of the heart start to see more of those kind of godly patterns unfolding and um the karmic element of it too i think hmm. yeah well said um yeah i feel like the heart does just kind of say i don't know anything and yet i just feel that everything is okay and i trust and it can be just very simple and yet it's incredibly incredibly beautiful just that simple that simple deep knowing in the heart that everything is okay um just as it is however it is however it shows up and um yeah one one nuance I would add is that I feel you're right that it's like as you come more and more surrender more and more deeply to the path, like things become less and less clear in many ways. Like I remember, you know, when I was young, they told us like, you know, Five-year plan, 10-year plan. Your, yeah, <laughs> five-year plan, 10-year plan, try to figure out your career. <clears throat> and, you know, I've still found value in sometimes meditating on like, what would my 20-year vision be? You know, it can be it can be interesting and instructive to like do an exercise like that if you don't hold on to it too tightly. But in general, over time, my life went from like me trying to plan years into the future to like more and more me not really knowing where I was going to be like two weeks, two weeks from now. Um, and I would say that did shift somewhat <clears throat> since becoming a father and having a family. There's, there's been like, we still, we still really are quite wide open and we don't actually know for sure where we're going to be like next month, but it seems pretty clear that we're here in Germany for at least a few more months, for example. So there's like, there's more of a stability and groundedness there. <clears throat> and I've also started placing more emphasis on just like creating an approach to finances that is just thinking more long-term and is like, okay, how to create, long-term financial stability for our family because that's just a really good thing to have as a family um and yet at the same time there's a level of surrender of like you know i can do all the methodical planning i want and still god might just pull the rug out from under all of us and be like nope it's time for the global economic meltdown and all your money's worth nothing now and everyone's just you know like it's a free for all. It's, it's Lord of the flies out there, you know, who knows? And then I, 
would do my best to accept that that's the medicine that I need if that's what appears. But so I do bring in, I do feel like one way to think about this is that like the sage archetype or the mystic archetype, which I would associate more with like the crown chakra is like, and you could also associate with the heart chakra, but that archetype is very much like full surrender, full surrender to the divine flow. Whereas like the, the warrior and the king archetypes, which warrior I would associate more with the solar plexus and king, um, probably with like the heart, maybe also the throat and third eye chakra, like vision and speaking the truth. Integrating more of those archetypes as a man, um, the warrior and the king, like king definitely has like a long-term planning element to it. And I think long-term planning can take place within a larger paradigm of surrender so you can be surrendered to reality and still see the pragmatic value of long-term planning for your family, for your family and your kingdom or your business or whatever it is. And the warrior really comes into play when, when you get like a download or an ins- inspiration from, from God that's like very clearly seems to say, yes, this project is something you're meant to build and and you kind of get the download on that. And maybe it's an album or maybe it's a course or a container or something, but then that becomes actually like a clear plan for the foreseeable future. And it's like, okay, in the next months, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create and launch this this program and I'm going to like tell a bunch of people about it. And then it's really the warrior that comes online with the dedication and commitment and just like follows through with that and just like takes care of business. So um, yeah, that's a way that I can kind of complicate the picture a little bit and maybe make it a little more integral and, and holistic in a sense, like integrating more of what we are at the human level. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really dig that. Um, I think the, the role of the King, you know, being historically always kind of under God and always like anointed by the priests and you know his he has divine authority but it's always coming from god and i think there's there's a degree to which we forget about that and we just think about the king as the king um mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. the king being under something as well but yeah i i love this spirit of bringing down that kind of regal language out of your kingdom mm-hmm. Because even, you know, to an extent, we've all, you know, been the descendants of peasants and Mm. farmers of ordinary people, effectively. Um, But I I feel more encouraged about a future where ordinary people are kind of taking on the degree of kingship, the king Mm. would, uh, and, you know, treating what's their domain in the same way. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's a good point that we don't um, we don't have a lot of good archetypal examples in modern times. I feel of that king that is really a servant, like a servant of the divine and a servant of the kingdom. There's a lot of archetypal examples of kings or bosses or CEO figures that are more 
like domineering and more coming from ego and are more like the shadow king or the tyrant. So a lot of people, when they would think of a king, they would think more of the shadow expression of that archetype. But that archetype in its fullness is like deeply, deeply, profoundly heart connected, profoundly in service to the divine, aligned with the divine, like surrendering to and yeah, submitting oneself to the divine and yeah, in service for the upliftment of the whole, for the upliftment of the kingdom. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, I feel a lot of, you know, and we do have some archetypes that, that signify that. I mean, like Aragorn, the, the kind of reluctant King in Lord of the Rings is a, is a good one to look to as like a solid King archetype. Um, so yeah, I think, I think a lot of modern men, would do well to kind of explore the king archetype and learn the distinction between the shadow king or like the the tyrant king versus the heart-led king the king in his fullness Mm -hmm. and it strikes me also that like if we don't have the if we only have the shadow king and we reject the shadow king um then we don't really claim our authority Mm -hmm. you know we don't claim the virtuous element of kingship and then that um is just a not it's a not showing up fully that then has all kinds of consequence for male female relationships male male relationships um and the whole the whole field of life really um so just a couple of like living you know figures in our wider community that come to mind i think like aubrey marcus is somebody who's talked a lot about the king Mm. archetype and really seems to be uh expressing um Mm. that sort of new kind of leadership um Mm. which is both you know not trying to but actually seeking to gather all of the traditional masculine energies the traditional virtues of the king but is ultimately subject to the feminine and so it's, you know, no coincidence that those kind of leaders are um, also working with plant medicine, which seems to absolutely devastate uh, the, the kingship of the ego eventually mm. and like puts you in relationship to um, a larger whole. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well said. I think Aubrey's a good example based on what I've seen of him, Joe Rogan also feels like a pretty good example of King energy, like heart, heart led King. And it's also good to consider that the King in his wholeness has also like integrated the shadow King, like in a healthy way. If you're cutting yourself off from your kind of dark masculine or your shadow King, then you, if you're all love and you're lacking the power side of the equation, then you will be somewhat flaccid in your expression. Essentially, you won't be able you'll be able to channel that raw power in moments where it's needed, either in a calm way to just be very direct and assertive with someone or in a moment where actually it's called for to bring a little bit of fire, a little bit of passion um, and just kind of, or like take charge of a situation. Maybe there are actually times where it can be in integrity to just take charge of a situation and even like dominate a situation and be like, no, everybody 
shut the fuck up. This is what needs to happen right now. This is what we're going to do. Like imagine an emergency situation. You need leaders who can actually just take charge and dominate a situation. And without the the power of the shadow masculine or the dark masculine, if you're just all love in that situation, you're all like ooey gooey, not going to get shit done. So yeah, that's another interesting consideration. And that's a big edge for me right now is integrating more of my dark masculine, more of my shadow masculine, finding that synthesis of love and power, because it's almost felt like I have a split personality at times where it feels very distinctly different when I'm more in power versus when I'm more in love. But I feel those like getting closer together. And I'm really excited for a fuller synthesis of those of those parts yeah yeah we surely surely need that as well um and it's i i I view this also in like a generational context as well it's something that's been you know an an initiate part of my initiation that i feel i'm presently in and have been on the last year since i sat with ayahuasca the first time last may um there's been a whole lot around healing the collective trauma of war and you know the my grandfather and my grandfather's father uh all were in second world war first world war um and plant medicine uh has really opened that up also you know i include cannabis in that um and there's an interesting duality to it where, you know, I've had these experiences of just being absolutely blasted open into the, into the, the horror, the horror of that. Um, and at the same time, you know, going, going with the unfoldment of that kind of those series of like downloads of ancestral um, energies eventually I started to get more to the place of like putting myself in the shoes of the capacity to be the one doing it as well. And, you know, being the one that the one that storms the beaches, the one that kills. Um, and then over the course of also, you know, also I lived in Germany, as you know, for a couple of years and something about that really drew my attention down into the, into the ground of, um of of war and particularly the holocaust um and so i've found myself drawn to reading ordinary men which is a book that jordan peterson has spoken uh very highly of are you familiar with the book uh not familiar with that one no okay so it's uh it's an account of a a german police battalion uh mm-hmm. of you know particularly ordinary men who didn't seem to be particularly ideological and how they end up uh, participating in Poland and in, in atrocities. And so the reason I bring that all up is that in some sense, I'm trying to know that part of myself and I don't get to integrate the power of that uh, until I know it. Mm-hmm because it's in the knowing of it that I start to see the potentiality for that, not just in myself, but in other men as well. Mm -hmm. 
And when I feel that, then it's like that actually draws me more out and more toward um, like needing to assume that for masculine posture that meets them. Mm. Because for, you know, much of my time I've, I've broken into the sensitivity side and the trauma healing side and, and all of that. And uh, actually you can be very limited in your capacity to connect with men who are, uh, you know, macho and mm. yeah and so on so you really need uh you need both of those things together in a really powerful powerful mm. fusion and that that's a big part of the the male initiation for me mm. and i think also just for the men at large right now 100 percent. it feels like there's two like major camps of men out there there's like you've got the more like macho alpha camp of guys who are more like jacked up and hardcore and they probably played like football and different sports and stuff like that but they tend to be like really disconnected from their hearts disconnected from their emotions and generally like embodying the shadow king or the shadow warrior in an unconscious way and then you've got like this other camp of more like quote unquote, like beta sensitive kind of more spiritual kind of guys um, who are like connected to their hearts and like connected to their emotions and like doing all that side of the work. But they're completely disconnected from their power. So you can also see it as like the one side is like the power side and the one side is like the love side. And so they're really in their love. But like, that camp of men generally feels flaccid. It's like, you don't generally see the sensitive, mushy, like new age guy, like kind of standing up, taking a powerful stand for something in the world, or like actually building something in the world, building something bigger, like really, there's not the capacity to penetrate life with like, solar energy, there, there's like, there's a flaccidness, essentially. And um yeah, I think all of us like probably instinctively can feel which side we've leaned toward on our journey. Like I think my journey in my adult life definitely leaned more toward the sensitive new age guy, sens sensitive emotional guy archetype. And I've been like really on a journey to try to reintegrate the power side of the equation. And like, I do feel there's a level of embodied confidence and power that can only be unlocked when a man does know his inner killer and like knows the part of himself that if someone was threatening his his family or his daughter, it would be like, you know, I will fucking murder you right now. And, and you, you can really feel that. Like I feel the part of you that could just like snap someone's neck if need be to protect your family. That's, that's really important. So yeah, for me, I've started training martial arts in the last year. Um, and I feel that's one of the best ways for, for sensitive guys to start to, to tap into these energies and start to embody them. And I haven't gone super deep yet. I'm, I'm, I'm a noob. I've done, you know, maybe 15 to 20 classes by now of judo and jujitsu, but even that amount has already had very noticeable effects on like being in touch with those energies. The part of me that can physically defend myself and could physically 
brutalize someone if I was in a situation where it was really called for. And yeah, just generally given me already a heightened sense of embodied confidence walking down the street. You know, if I'm about to pass a man, like there's more of a sense of if this guy decided to mess with me for some reason, I'm more confident that I have the ability to, to defend myself. And that's, well, that's really important for, for men. So that, that for me is a big focus right now, even though it's, there's a lot of resistance, actually. It's, it's, it's hard for me to lean into that because I have been on such a, such a like mind focused path. I've been imbalanced toward the mind on my journey. Like very, I've been like a very online person and very like, I spent a lot of years being very intellectual and very like spiritual, very up here. It's hard for me to lean more into physical embodiment, but I, I know that that's easily one of my biggest like areas for growth right now that, that can catapult everything else tremendously. So I'm leaning into it, you know, and, and we'll continue to maybe not as far as I could or as fast as I could, but slowly, but surely. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I'm feeling like this might actually be a good uh, a good rounding out place for us with this dialogue. Mm. There's a lot more areas for us to explore, but um, the 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 gravity and the gravitas of of what we've just spoken about feels like. Yeah, I want I want that to just sort of hang as the main uh, the main closing reflection for us today, and. Um, Definitely will encourage people to tune into your Substack, and I really appreciate the way that you really pour your heart into it and have done over the last year and have just like been full honesty about shit you've been through and and self doubts and and all of it. Um, Thank you. And yeah, also the the heavily indicated goku wizard man uh spotify <laughs> music ayahuasca album check it out some really great tracks on there there's mm. a couple of flows on there that i've been trying to trying to learn that is still too fast for me so <laughs> yeah really appreciate you coming on jordan mm. yeah thank you brother much appreciated and yeah people can find me just like as a quick shout out jordan bates like pretty much any any platform my website's jordanbates.life i am releasing music now under the name jordan bates so i'm just kind of unifying everything under that name but yeah you can also find some of my tunes under goku the wizard king and yeah so yeah thanks everybody and thank you jacob